Hey, y'all. This is your girl, Amber, with Reaching Your Potential. I am so excited to be back into doing these podcasts and bringing guests into the podcast and all these exciting episodes. I've been really planning it for a while, but I'm just glad to bring into fruition this time. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking with one of my really good friends. We actually did our kettlebell certification together. Her name is Dana. And what is so unique about her, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you her whole story. She's going to tell you guys herself, but I really do admire her so much just as her as a personal trainer and just specifically the, the types of clients she has and who she works with. And she just has so many amazing things and stories to tell. So let's get started. Dana, she is from Florida, um, out in Florida right now. Well, she actually moved, but I'm not going to tell all her business out here. But um, Dana's going to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about herself, and then we will get started into the conversation. So everyone meet Dana. Hi, everyone, and Amber. <laughs> <laughs> nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Anytime. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so great. I uh, had a really busy day and this is like kind of, we're recording this kind of at the end of the day and I'm just like excited to like chill out after this and just this is a really happy way to wrap up a day for me. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear. I had a busy day too, but I'm so glad that people get to dial down and just, you know, have a, a chill chat, you know? <laughs> I know. I feel like we should be having like a glass of wine or something. I know, right? <laughs> Too bad. I only have a only have a bottle of water. <laughs> Me too. I have my water. <laughs> Cheers. Exactly. All right, Dana. So um, we already know a little bit about you in terms of your personal trainer and all these fun stuff. But I just want to give everybody an idea about how do you get into fitness. Let's hear a little bit about that. Oh, that's a loaded question, Amber. So I fell in love. I always like to say I've been fitnessing. Since probably way before you were born, I've been fitnessing since probably 1981 when I took my first, there was something called jazzercise back in the 80s. And I took my very first jazzercise class in Miami and they would hold it at a Greek Orthodox church. They had these really hard stone terrazzo floors and we would wear like kids type sneakers. They're almost like the vans of the 80s. And we would jump up and down on that floor and do kicks and, and all kinds of stuff. But it was a group fitness class. And I just fell in love with the vibe of the group fitness. So I was probably in, um, it was junior high back then, but we called it, uh, we called it junior high, but it was, it's now called middle school. So I was probably middle, like late into middle school age, probably 14 and um, fell in love with fitness and never stopped since that first class. I, I did everything from jazzercise to kickboxing to step aerobics. Anything you, anything you can think of in fitness, I've tried it. Spinning, anything that was popular. And when I was at University of Florida in the, in the early 80s, I even tried out to be a group fitness instructor and I chickened out. <laughs> I, I, I made it, like I made the cut. I had to do like a routine yeah. and I chickened out. I like, I chickened out and I look back and 
you know, I don't want to say it's a regret, but it's definitely a regret, but you can't look back and regret things because then you're not on the path where you are. And I'm so happy yeah. I am where I am. Why, so, did you, all, like, yeah, why do you feel like crazy. you chickened out? I think at the time, you know, I was very young and I felt like um, that I was like, well, what if I have a headache and I don't feel like teaching or what if like I run out of ideas of how to teach it or, or what if I don't feel creative enough or what, you know, I, I think I was a self doubter and I don't know why, um, probably need therapy for that, but I've learned, it's funny. It took me decades to really get the confidence to kind of delve in and just say, you know what, F it, this is how it is. Love me or leave me, you know, at this point. So but I think sometimes you're either just born with that or you're not. So maybe I was, maybe at the time, maybe I was just more in more of a follower um, type of period, time period in my life than I was in a leadership role. And maybe it took these decades to become more of a leader. And maybe that's why I'm here, you know? So, but so all that fitnessing of those 1980s, the 1980s fad fitnessing things, um, there wasn't a lot of like assessment back then. We didn't have the knowledge then we didn't know then what we know now or what, you know, most of us in the industry who run in these circles know now or, or have learned in the recent years, uh, from studies that have been done over the 30 past 30 or 40 years. And, um, it left me pretty broken. Um, it left me really broken as far as like, you know, onto the time where I was married and had kids and sitting in a desk all day. And I wound up pretty injured. Like I wound up with two foot injuries where I had surgery. I wound up with back surgery. Um, I had a hysterectomy because I had residual back pain after my back surgery. And um, we thought there was something um, causing that, like pressing on my spine, causing that. So they did a hysterectomy. So that was like a really tough time. You know, somebody who loved movement and loved to, to exercise to have to go through all that and then be told like at, the, at after back surgery in 2015 by a surgeon, you know, how we always talk about words matter. Um, you know, this is a person who said, you know, I don't really think that you should bend, lift or twist. Um, and I said, well, like, well, when can I? He goes, never. Like, you know, your, your spine's now fused. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So, you know, you get scared of bending, lifting, twisting, and then you're thinking, well, how am I going to stay in shape? How am I going to do this? Or, so, and then the journey began, the journey of learning about human movement and really diving deep and, and, and here we are. Oh, I love, I just love hearing your story because it's so unique. Um, and also you are older than me. So I just love to, and it's, and as you know, too, I work with older adults. So I just love listening mm -hmm. to their stories and learning about, you know, how things were before now. We're in 2022 now. And I know fitness was way different how it is now. And I'm mm -hmm. um, just seeing that, you know, you have these different phases or transitions of your fitness journey from the group classes to trying out different, as you said, the fads of fitnessing or exercising the spin classes to the step classes. And I'm actually seeing those becoming popular nowadays again, but it's just like a cycle. <laughs> it scares me. Yeah. <laughs> it is. What's old is, what's old is new, but that's the thing is that, that's, you know, I think that there's really something to be said for group fitness, just like, you know, you attend uh, Sunday swings. We'll give a plug for them. Cause I think it's so wonderful. And I yeah. hope to get there one day in person. Um, 
but there's something to be said for the vibe of group fitness. But there are, unfortunately, as you know, as an occupational therapist, this modern society of the things that make us so comfortable, uh, chairs, and, and I learned this from, from listening to and reading uh, Katie Bowman's books, which are life-changing, like Move Your DNA. It, it gives you a, a different perspective of like thinking about, well, all the things that make us comfortable are really making us weak. And, and, and unfortunately in the long run, making us more uncomfortable because that weakness leads to pain and injury, you know, especially if we layer on these demanding activities like fitness classes, where there's really not a lot of like assessment going on about how you're moving or, or what's going on with your body, or nobody's really asking you like, well, what's your surgical history? Or like, you know, how does it feel when you hinge over? (laughs) Yeah. It's it's unfortunate. Exactly. And I, I totally agree with that too. The group classes, of course, they have their pros in terms of like community and you're working together mm-hmm. as one, but then the cons are the lack of making sure the person is doing the movements correctly or knowing what their history of injuries are or chronic diseases or all this different stuff. And what you mentioned at, as well too, is that that comfortability part, right? Like I remember yeah. learning in OT school that the position of comfort is usually not the best position for that person because right. when you start to move them in that uncomfortable position, that's where the pain lies. Mm. And, you know, so like if we are not in pain and that's mostly talking to like people with like contractures and some like really tightness of muscles and joints, but usually that form of def- deformity is that position of comfort. And as yeah. we continue to stay in that comfortable position or even that comfortable attending that weekly spin class or that weekly step, stepping class, we have no idea or that person has no idea about perfect form or about mm-hmm. are they doing this and are they benefiting from it in the most like physical health way. It's like so right. interesting to dive into it. It is. I guess it's interesting for you and me and maybe the people who are going to listen to this podcast, but when I go to, let's say, so this is the challenging part for me. And I always talk about this with, with, you know, people like you who are younger than me, especially and into the, in the industry and maybe, you know, maybe people who are older, but they have to be in the industry. But when I go out to dinner with my husband, so we're 55, you know, he's 56 now, sorry, Steve. But um, when, when we go to dinner with our immediate group of friends, most of them, this is not on their mind, you know, so you and I do this like for a living or, for, you know, and we do it out of a passion for, you know, the, the beauty of human movement and just the beauty of the anatomy of the human body and, and what a gift it is really. And most people, this is not what they're thinking about when they wake up in the morning or when they're sitting or when they're walking and when they're looking at other people. But sometimes when you start uncovering the layers of this, this like, you know, peeling away the layers of the onion and you can't like unlearn or unsee certain things. It's hard to like even be in a group of people sometimes when they're not really relating to this, com- this type of conversation. So it's really, I'm so like blessed just to be sitting here talking to you because you get it. <laughs> you, know, you totally get it. You know, I just think I went off on a tangent. So welcome to my brain. <laughs> no, no, these are, <laughs> This is, this is a great conversation to have because you said we don't really have these conversations on a, on a regular basis for people that get it, you know, and, and I Mm -hmm. love having these episodes where some people may be listening and may not be aware of 
these certain things. They're like, okay, I'm attending this class. I'm being fit. Okay, great. But there's another step to it. You know, that's why Mm -hmm. it's so important to learn more about the body. Or if you're unaware of how the body works, that's why it's so important to get a personal trainer or somebody that specializes in this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully if you get a trainer, that's not a good match for you. They're, they're, you know, solid enough where they're going to be comfortable saying, Hey, this is outside of my scope of, of experience or scope of knowledge. And I'm going to refer you out hoping that you come back. But honestly, like there are times where I've had, you know, I had a, a lady in Puerto Rico, I was training her and she, I just could not get through. She had like, she was older and she had a hip issue and she was trying not to schedule for hip surgery. And I'm like, Linda, I, sh- I said her name, but she, I said, you know, you need to go see somebody else. And I, I don't know if she made the call, but I gave her a referral. You know, I said, and then when it's cleared up, when you clean this up, or if you have the surgery and are ready to recover, come back, right. you know, and she still reaches out once in a while. I don't know what happened with the hip because we, it's been a couple months, but like, you have to be that, like, I feel like the people that you and I associate with are super, super authentic like that and really care so much. Um, that that's that the client comes first, you know, that that's really the, even, even your patients, I think, you know, I can see, I've seen some of your videos with the patients. And I just like, my heart melts because like I, I've said, even in the comments, you're, they're so lucky to have you. And they're so lucky to have somebody who cares like that. It's just really phenomenal. Like, you know, to, to have somebody who wants to hear their stories because a lot of them are older and some people just brush that off and they don't want to hear the stories. They're just in there like, let's get this done, you know? And that's so important, their mentality, you know, their, to their, like, even to their, I'm sure it's important to their progress and they can feel that when you show that interest to them, that it opens them up to trust you and, and to make progress with you in their physical world as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, even in occupational therapy, I always talk about how we always look at someone in a holistic way. We don't think mm-hmm. of the patient as their diagnosis. They're just the person with the diagnosis. They're not like the stroke patient. No, it's the person that had a stroke. Mm-hmm. They have a story. And every sh- patient with a stroke will appear differently. Everyone has their own story. And it's up to like people in my profession to hear that story. And that's going to really help with that trust. It's going to help with that rapport and their ability to kind of see the progression of, you know, of therapy. Because if I brush that aside, how are they going to progress? How are they going to trust me as the clinician to help them get to from like from step A to step B? So I'm so happy that you, you see that even through like, the little clips that I I post, I really try my best to show that empathy, to show that um, just therapeutic use of self, um, just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out something that we can relate to, even though we were totally different in age groups, but Mm -hmm. I always try to relate to them in some type of way so they can just trust the process because sometimes it's hard to trust it. It goes a long way and empathy, you know, will transcend all ages. So it doesn't really matter, you know, if you think about it, it's, that's, that's a really amazing quality to have, you know, it really is special. And I think that, that, that really speaks volumes um, of a person when they have such like at your age, even like that kind of ability to like, 
sit back and listen, you know, to, to an older person, especially because I, myself, I didn't have that always. Like we had, um, when, uh, like even my own parents who are, who are gone, they both passed away in 2014, 90 days, within 90 days of each other. They had a very, very, a 66, six, seven, 67 year marriage. Uh, they had I a really, really that. beautiful life together. Yeah. But toward the end, I was, it was in my, I, my mother had me late in life. So toward the end, I was very busy with three children at home who didn't drive, running a law firm with my husband, back pain, <laughs> foot pain, um, pelvic floor issues were, which were unaddressed. And I had never even heard the word pelvic floor before. Um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. Like, so it was like the craziest time of my life and both of my parents were ailing. And I look back and I, in hindsight, I, I have regrets about like, oh my gosh, I wish I was more patient with them, you know, when they were suffering or when they were going through any kind of therapy or they had, you know, somebody caretakers and things like that. It was more like a job at that time. And I look back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had been a little more zen about the whole thing because that's probably what they needed more, you know, and I kind of went into auto mode and took care of whatever needed to be taken care of. But it, it really does speak volumes for you as a person. Like I, like I just, I really, I just admire that so much, you know, that you show that at such a young age, because that's something that's deep in your heart. That's not something that, you know, that you learned. I think for me personally, and this is too authentic, this is who I am. I had to learn that over time to be a little more open and empathetic to people, you know, with, with, I think it's just a really interesting quality. Yeah. I mean, like I had to learn it during, like, as I was growing up, um, when you talked about your parents living or like being married for so long, like over 60 years, my great grandparents, I had them for most of my life. Um, they passed away in 2017. Mm. Um, but they were married for over 70 years. Um, so I saw their marriage and I saw and I grew up going down south and seeing them and just seeing how they were living for the most like probably the last maybe four or five years. My grandma um, retired to go down there and help them out whenever needed. Um, but before then, they were living there by themselves. And wow. um, that was something that really put me in awe. I was just like, wow, like older adults can live by themselves. They can, you know, be successful in their life and, you know, mm -hmm. grow, grow in a way that is not going to be, you know, they don't, like not all older adults have to be sick. They're, they're all not elderly and frail and, you know, things like that. And my great grandmother was the epitome of that. Like she was in her nineties walking around her garden and planting. What her was flowers. her secret? What was her secret though? Because I feel like, was she just <laughs> a super active person that was always gardening and, or was she just like, just like that? Like, like, I, I always wonder, like, what I think was it's down South. I think it's just being down South, <laughs> not in the, not upstate in New York where it is so stressed. Like they lived in like the rural parts of North Carolina. So a lot of stuff wasn't really going on <laughs> down there. So I think it's the country. I think the country's just you very think. peaceful and they didn't really have that much things to worry about. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why people get so stressed and sick is the stress. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like stress is, I think, other than sitting, probably one of the, the worst things that we have in, in modern society. I mean, people used to be stressed years ago because they didn't want to die from getting eaten by a bear. That's a different stress, <laughs> you know, but like 
the stress that we have now is like, it is so different. And I feel like people are always in that like upregulated state where they're just like, you know, all the time. It's just so crazy. And it's just what it does to you internally. It's just so it's like a silent killer, you know, and I, I don't think that most of us, including me, probably most of us really address like that, you know, or remediate that, that, that level of stress, like bring it down enough during our week and, you know, during our daily lives, it's crazy. So maybe we do need to like, maybe I feel like people are kind of yearning to simplify. Like a lot of people I talk to, I don't know if it's maybe the age group I'm in and we're all becoming empty nesters, but a lot of us are like downsizing and simplifying. Like we just sold our house. We moved to this little apartment Mm -hmm. and we're buying a very small condominium. Yes, I'm going to be living in a condo in Boca. Ooh. A condo on the water in Boca, but like like an old Jewish lady. Nice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, like I feel like a lot of people are just wanting things to be more simple. And I wonder if it's, I wonder if the pandemic, I think I'm having an epiphany right here <laughs> on your podcast. <laughs> Um, I feel like maybe the pandemic kind of like opened up that, like cracked open that shell and like, people are like, okay, holy moly, look at what is happening. Let's just get rid of what doesn't serve us. And let's just do what makes us happy. Let's just do like do with less, you know, and just live more simply. And maybe it's kind of like forcing people to kind of live a a more simple life less stressed life and be healthier I hope I don't know yeah let's I hope think, yeah let's hope I, I think that <laughs> is like the less things that we have to really worry about I think the less stress we'll actually have <laughs> <laughs> I know we have so much to talk about and I know we're going to do a two-parter because this is just so such a great discussion because we're talking about so much in terms of fitness about you know growing and learning and as we get older we have to try to live as long as we want but how can we live long if we are stressed so um this conversation is going to continue on um if you guys are interested in it please come back we're going to come right back into this discussion the next time and learn more about fitness and dana and all this fun stuff all right so talk to you guys soon peace out